podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Brand new for the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we have a recap of the fantastic Kansas women's basketball victory over the Arizona Wildcats. It was a demolition of a game. Kansas winning 77-50. to um, I'm going to recap that here by myself. And then, we have joining the podcast to do a preview of the game, the border war being resumed. Uh, well, I guess it's already been resumed in basketball, but the first time it's been in Columbia, Missouri, since they picked it back up. Joining me to preview that game is Carrington Harrison. He is the uh, he is the afternoon co-host of the the Drive on Six Ten Sports. And uh, look, it, it was great to have him on. It's always great to have him on. Um, he is living proof that there is a reasonable fan in every single fan base, at least one. So um, he gets the mantle of that for Missouri fans. So I'm. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with giving him that title because he has been nothing but gracious. But the first story that we have to talk about is just this absolutely fantastic win for the Kansas Jayhawks. Look, I, I was not super optimistic about this game because of how well Arizona has been able to score. Um, yes, they haven't played like fantastic defenses by any means, but you know they have definitely played, I think, with the kind of efficiency and the you know, the way that you would expect a team who has a really good offense to play that does not have a ton of really, really big tests on their schedule. Um, Kansas came into this showing that they were the more battle-tested team. Um, you know, they'd gone on the road to St. Mary's. Um, they had played some some pretty good team, and they completely handled Texas A&M. And you can talk about whatever, you know, issues Texas A&M has and how good of a team they're actually going to be this year. But the fact that they just manhandled an SEC team in Texas A&M, I thought was a good sign. But... Arizona is ranked for a reason. They are a very good team. Um, they know what they're doing. And, you know, Kansas <clears throat> went in there, and it looked like they were just going to uh, – actually, starting the game. Like, this was a game that started out with um, both of these teams scoring at a clip of what we would expect from the offenses. Because both of these offenses scored at least 70 points, or at least 72 points in every single game coming into here. Um, you know, Kansas, the the team that was less, because Arizona had scored 77 in every single game that they had. Um Kansas scored 72 in every single game that they had. So I was expecting a high-scoring game. I think I put my prediction in like the 80, in, in the low 80s for both of these teams combined, uh, like total, I'm mean, sorry, each. Um, so like I was expecting a very high-scoring game, and it looked like we were going to have that for the first, you know, six minutes of the game. First six, first six, or I'm sorry, the first four minutes of the game, you know, the score was like 17 to, or I'm not, sorry, not 17. The, the score was like 12 to 7, and then Kansas hit a, a bucket to, you know, get back within three. Um, And I mean, it looked like we were going to have just an absolute back and forth, you know, one team throwing a punch, the next team coming back and hitting another big bucket and just keep going back and forth all all game long. Then we hit the media timeout 
And for whatever reason, this game completely flipped on its head. Went from a huge, high-flying offensive showing to a very defensive matchup for a large portion of the game. Arizona only scored five points in the second quarter, which by far the lowest amount that they have scored all year long. Um, the Kansas defense is completely clamping down. Now, you can definitely make an argument that Arizona was missing shots that they don't normally make or miss. Um, but, you know, Kansas did a lot to get in their face, to affect a lot of the shots they wanted to make, to do a lot of things to make it difficult for them to actually make those shots. So um, Kansas played a really good defensive game. They did everything that you absolutely would expect from them. And that all started with, you know, star of the game, down low, uh, Tiana Jackson. Look, she was not the only one that scored 19 points for the Jayhawks in this game, which um, was, was great to see that they had, you know, multiple people that could score like that. Um, we will talk about Chandler Prater's fantastic day here in just a few minutes. But Tiana Jackson, everything that you thought she would have to be for them to be successful in this game, um, she was an absolute presence down low. I noted pretty early in the game, it looked like Arizona, a team that you know has two fairly large players in terms of height that can really throw around that height and really use that to their advantage down low. They weren't even looking to go inside for a good portion of that game. And, and you know, it was, it was a combination of them going a little bit cold from the outside and then the slashing game not working. And then they finally decided they needed to go inside and Jackson was there to clean it up and keep them from really doing anything, anything that they wanted to do in this game. It was, it was just absolutely a start to finish. It looked like it was going to be a potential problem. It looked like we could have, could have really run into some issues. Um, and it looked like it was going to be a back and forth, but by the time we got, you know, end of the second quarter is when things really started to turn. Kings went on a little bit of a mini run, um, thanks to the hot shooting of Mia Vuksic. Um, so that was great to see her. She went two of three from three point range. Those were the only shots that she took. She made two back to back ones at the very end of the second quarter. Uh, she only played two minutes on the night and that was at the very end of the second quarter. And in that time, she saw, she shot the ball three times from three made two of those, gave Kansas a six-point lead heading into the half. So um, she was just in in spot in spot relief, but that's the kind of role that she plays on this team. Uh, talked about at the beginning of the year, like that was what she was going to be, was coming in for the three-point sharpshooting, kind of giving guy, uh, giving giving players a spell um, so that they could get a, just a little bit of rest and kind of do what they needed to do. So all-around fantastic performance for the Jayhawks, but Tiana Jackson specifically, looking at her line, 19 points on 9 of 13 shooting, uh, she was one of three from the free throw line, which obviously can be better, but that's still not that bad considering, you know, just how much they were banging down low and how much she was doing elsewhere. Like you, you would live with a one for three free throw shooting. If you get the, the rest of this line, the entire night, she had eight offensive rebounds to a total of 15 rebounds. So another double double for her. Um, but then she also added in, uh, you know, three blocks, two steals, one assist. She did have the, you know, she, she did turn the ball over three times, which uh, is, is going to happen with some of the entry passes they try to do. And, you know, you look at somebody, I believe she got charged with one of the timeouts where the person just completely overthrew her and she was able to reach up and like tip it. So they counted that as off on her. Um, either way though, like this is, this is a fantastic performance for a team, for a person that was already kind of getting attention. You know, it's one of the better uh, big post players in the big 12 this year. She has been playing fantastic, and this was, I think, her first opportunity to do it on a national stage to get people actually paying attention. There is absolutely no way that I see the Jayhawks not being ranked coming this next this next week. Of course, assuming um, actually, I need to look double double check their schedule because I don't think they have another game that you would 
be worried about them potentially losing between now and when the next ratings come out. Um, I don't even know if they actually have a game between now and then. I'm actually pulling that up. This is absolutely great radio. Uh, okay, yeah. So, looking at the schedule. Oh, duh. They have Wichita State coming up on the 11th. That would be on, uh, actually, on Sunday. So, on Sunday, at home, 2 o'clock, if you can be there, make sure you're there because it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. Um, look, as this team is getting better and better, and like I said, unless they were to drop that game against Wichita State, which I don't see happening just with how well this team is playing right now, but it's definitely a possibility. Um, I would expect Kansas to be ranked if they can take care of business at home, um, you know, and this would give them a great opportunity to build some extra momentum going into, uh, you know, next week they have a game against Tulsa, and then they go on the road to Nebraska before the holiday break, um, and and they come back from the holiday break and immediately get started with conference play with Oklahoma State. So, you know, it's a tough it's a tough schedule for them coming up, but it was an absolutely great performance. I did promise that I would talk about um, other stars of this game, and there were quite a few. Um, Chandler Prater is the other person that jumps out. She had 19 points, including 13 of 13 from the line. She was absolutely fantastic at slashing to the basket, getting in there, drawing contact, getting to the foul line, and making all the freebies. So Kansas went 16 of 18 from the line. The only two misses were from Tyana Jackson. Um, you know, Holly Kerskeeter was the, was the only other player to shoot two free throws, and she made both of hers. So Kansas shot really well from the from the free throw line. That was something that they had potentially struggled with at times throughout this year so far. It was great to see them get back to that, largely on the backs of you know Chandler Prater and what she was able to do. So, uh, but you know, she also had seven rebounds. She was super active in this game, just kind of all over the place, and it showed. She played thirty one minutes. She had three steals. Um, you know, she she had two assists. Like she was just there is there was one particular play where she just got the ball. And literally just took it in and just like went right through contact, was able to, to, to sink the bucket and get the end one. So, um, she did a fantastic job in this game, taking over and giving Kansas energy and kind of extra spark that they needed, uh, to be able to get where they needed to be. You look at the third quarter, the third quarter was where she did most of her work. You know, Kansas went into half up six. And, and I wrote an article over in Blue Wings Rising. I was, was a little bit late getting the game primer out. And so I said, okay, I'll do a halftime update on the game and t- tell you how you can go find the rest of it. Um, you know, because this was on a, the Pac-12 network, which is almost extremely difficult to find. Um, but luckily I was able to w- actually watch this game and it was great to see them. But, you know, you look at that, at that third quarter, Chandler Prater, 12 points, made, made one of two from the, from the field, 10 of 10 from the free throw line. And then she had three defensive rebounds. Like she did a lot of work there in that third quarter, which really gave the Jayhawks a good opportunity to get ahead, to do what they needed to do, and put this game completely out of reach. You look at, you know, you look at the uh, the, the box score for this, and Kansas uh, in the first half, or I'm sorry, yeah. So looking at the at the looking at the box score, Kansas. Uh, scored 14 in the first quarter, 14 in the second quarter, 26 in the third quarter, and then 23 in the fourth quarter to put the game away. They held Arizona a, again, a fantastic offense, uh, to 17 in the first in the first quarter. So they were down 17-14 going into the second quarter. Only five in that second quarter. Um, but then you know it looked like Arizona was going to start getting those shots, start getting where they needed to be, um, and they weren't able to do it. You know, Kansas was able to clamp down enough and disrupt their shots enough that they were able to hold them to just 11 points in the third quarter and then 17 points in the fourth quarter. 
Arizona ended with 50, which is by far the lowest amount that they have scored in a game this season. Um, you can say that it was definitely at least some part that Arizona was just off. You could look at some of the shots that they were taking and, and while it, they, they were hitting a lot of stuff early, um, all of a sudden you get that first media timeout and then it's like the lid went on the basket for them, um, which I was really surprised to see. They just looked like they were a little bit out of sorts. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with the kind of pressure that Kansas brought on them that they are not used to seeing. Um, this, this win does a couple different things. One, the fact that a person like Chandler Prater was able to, you know, have this be one of her big games and, and a game where she could really kind of push Kansas across the finish line, um, you know, or, or, or at least put the game out of reach so that Tyana Jackson could just bring it home. Like, it's another player that's had a huge contribution in a big-time game that they will now have the confidence going into this this uh, conference slate. And, you know, I, I think my big takeaway from here is you look at this team, this looks like a complete team. This looks like a team that has had some trouble shooting the three. And, in fact, they didn't shoot the three well tonight. They were only three of 12 for 25%. Um, but this is a team that has found their identity with going inside, slashing to the basket. All of the players, most of the guards were slashing to the inside and finding open lanes and finding things that they could do. Um, the the presence that Tiana Jackson has inside opens up a lot of different things because of how much she's able to take advantage of positioning, able to take advantage of her height, and really the extra strength that she added in the offseason. Um, and, well, I, I, I don't know if it's that she added strength or that she added confidence. Um, she, she's using the strength she has a lot better being able to get where she needs to be. Um, this is a complete team. This is a team that I think has a chance to actually compete for the Big 12 title. Um, I, I, I look at, across the rest of the conference, and with the exception of maybe Iowa State, um, I don't know that there's any team that has a more impressive resume. Um, and even that's debatable. Like, this is a team that has beaten everybody soundly with the exception of the first two you know games that they had. Um, every other game they've won by at least 20 which is not something that a lot of teams can actually say in, in uh, women's basketball this year. So, so that was absolutely fantastic for them, a great thing to see. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll take a look here and see how they actually stack up once we get the conference play. Uh, we, sh we should have some very, very, we should have some very, very interesting results. Uh, but this is a Kansas team that is picking up where they left off. This is a Kansas team that is looking like they are ready to um, compete for a conference title. And this is a team, I think, that has the look of what you would need to be able to make a deep run of the tournament. Um, you know, you, you you look at some of the other resumes. You look at, it's like, for example, Kansas State has played really well. They are ranked. Um, I, I wonder how sustainable that is just with um, Ioka Lee not available this year. And, you know, I don't know that they've necessarily played anybody that really has a big post presence like some of these teams in the Big 12. But... I've definitely been in, impressed with what they've done. Um, also, looking at Oklahoma State, who can't plays, you know, to start. Um, I'm not sure what to make of that record because, again, it's not an instance where like they're they're playing a ton of really really difficult teams. Um, it is not, you know, it's not my expectation that they uh, could really sustain that in a you know night in and night out. Just looking at over some of the teams that they've played, you know, they played um, Rio Grande, which uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. Kansas played Rio Grande Valley, but, uh, you know, so like they, I mean, they've played a few good teams. They played a Florida state, they played a Harvard, but they lost to Purdue. Um, you know, for the most part, it's been, it's been a solid performance against a pretty, a pretty good schedule, but nothing super, um, 
You know, nothing that I would say is extremely difficult. Nothing that would uh, not that Kansas has really had, um, you know, a murderer's row in terms of games that they've played. But they have they have definitely played really well in what they've done. Um, and I think that that you you look at some of the margins for like Oklahoma State and some of these other teams, and and you have to kind of wonder. Um, you know, how well that's going to hold up once we get to conference play. But Iowa State has looked pretty impressive. Um, you know, Kansas State has looked impressive. Oklahoma State has looked impressive. Texas Tech is sitting right up there with a really good record as well. Um, you look at some of the, like, the Massey ratings and some of the other rating systems that are out there, and they don't necessarily stack up um, as you continue to look. Like, for example, Oklahoma State is all the way down at 49, whereas Kansas in, in, in the Massey ratings uh, is 27. Kansas State is at 28 right around them. Um, Iowa State is up at 22. You, then you have uh, Baylor up at, you know, 19 in the Big 12 Conference. Um, and I'm trying to see – I thought there was another one higher. But, no, actually, Baylor looks like they're the highest one from the conference. And then you've got a few teams that are kind of hovering there, Iowa State, uh, Kansas, then Kansas State. Um, but then you have a grouping of, like, Texas, Oklahoma um, that are all kind of right there just behind two Kansas schools. Uh, before you get down. So like Oklahoma State is all the way down to 49. Uh, West Virginia is all the way down at 54. Uh, Texas Tech, I, yeah, Texas Tech is down at 64. So while they have a great record in eight and one, um, their strength of schedule is, you know, 154. I, I don't know how sustainable it's going to be for them. So we will see how Kansas is able to compete in the conference. Um, but the big takeaway obviously is a huge ranked road win, a 27 point margin of victory absolutely fantastic going to get them some of that extra exposure that they need um they should be ranked and we should start hearing about some of these players um for potential awards i would not be shocked if tyana jackson gets offensive player of the the week for the big 12 i would not be shocked if chandler prater was you know under consideration for that as well so they both had phenomenal performances i think it's going to just depend on how they play against wichita state but um this was this was a great way to start this state the slate for this week and we will, of course, continue to follow this team. I am, I have planned on ramping up the women's coverage. We actually have a partner that we are going to be working with to give us a little bit of um, extra oomph behind the coverage that we can do, give us some extra information, help put things in context, and just make it a little bit easier for me to, to bring you guys quality information about the women's team. What I didn't want to do was expand the coverage when I didn't have a good source of data. I didn't have a good way to really contextualize what's happening here because I can get on and talk about, you know, oh, look at the box score and, oh, this must mean that. But without any kind of context about what else is happening in women's basketball, what else is out there and what this actually means, um, it's difficult, I think, for me to feel like I'm actually giving you guys value um, in, in the, the takes that I'm throwing out there um, if I try to dive into any kind of analysis. So now that I now that I think I have a good source of data for that, um, we should be seeing a lot more women's coverage. I should be, it, it should be a lot easier for me to talk about the women's team and talk intelligently about the women's team. I'm also going to try to find some more guests to talk about women's basketball because um, it's a lot of fun to talk about. There's a lot of really great basketball being played in the Big 12 right now. We will, of course, at some point have um, Jamie Steyer Johnson back on from the 10-12 podcast, uh, the Cyclone Family podcast here on the 10-12 network. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a bunch of extra women's coverage, a bunch of extra stuff. This is an exciting team to talk about. Um, I'm just happy that it is a, a team that is fun to cover because you look at everything that they're doing this year and everything they did last year, and that's how that's carrying over. I am super excited about what we're going to see from this team. So, all right. Um, speaking of super excited, I am super excited um, as we near the end of the uh, the year for the holiday season season 
deals that you can find and all the great stuff you can find um, all over the place, but especially at um, you know our our sponsor here on the podcast, that would be Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Of course, you guys know they have T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more, a whole bunch of different schools. They have every single Power Five school now available, um, and they keep adding new schools. They keep adding, you know, like they added Harvard and Yale not too long ago. They keep doing refreshes of the lines that they do have. They have great stuff that keeps coming out all the time. And of course, they released the Kansas football shirt to celebrate. Kansas getting game day. Um, so it was absolutely awesome to see that Kansas football shirt. Most everything was basketball related or, you know, like Kansas relays or other things like that. Um, so I was really happy to see that. They have a fantastic Kansas line. If you have not already gotten some, make sure you head on over there. You can use promo code chalk 12 to get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over a hundred dollars have free shipping. Again, they've been doing, so, you know, absolutely love working with them. They have some great promotions that they have. They just got done with the Black Friday promotion a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, they had a 10-12 week where every single week, uh, every single current school in the Big 12 had a shirt that was available as part of uh, a promotion with the 10-12 podcast network. So we love working with them and we love all of the stuff that they have. And you are going to love their stuff, too, if you head on over there and fill your closet with everything from, from all the schools that you can possibly imagine whether that is Kansas or other teams in the Big 12 or really anybody else that you can think of. Um, I have way too many logos from random teams that I just buy, love the look of the logo and just had to get it, and I'm sure you will find those too. So again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOP12, get you 15% off that entire first order, and all orders over $100 have free shipping. All right, I do want to, this is a little bit longer of an episode than I was expecting it to be, but I do want to get over to, to, the, to the interview with Carrington Harrison um, it's absolutely fantastic. We actually get to talk about a, a bunch of stuff, including the topic that I know everybody wanted to talk about last week, um, which was the impending um, dodging of a potential football bowl game between the Kansas Jayhawks and the Missouri Tigers at the Liberty Bowl. Um, we, we talk about that and, of course, a whole bunch of basketball right after the break. We will be right back on the Rock Talk podcast. I'm Sam, and I co-host the Scott and Holm podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar sports podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well, if all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dorks. So thank you and go Cougs. And we are back. I am joined now by Carrington Harrison. He is uh, host of the Drive on 610 Sports Radio in the afternoon. Carrington, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm happy to come on your podcast. This might be the first time, and you're going to laugh at me. Let's just get this out of the way. I have actually watched more Kansas basketball this year than Missouri basketball. I have already been to a Kansas basketball game. Kansas has certainly played more intriguing matchups so far this season. So I actually probably know the Jayhawks a little better than I know the Tigers at this point. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. And and I, I will actually just go ahead and jump in right there then because they are 9-0 and 
which I, I honestly, given the way that they kind of ended last year, uh, going into this year, was not expecting them to be undefeated coming to this matchup. And if one team is going to be undefeated, I wasn't expecting it to be Missouri. But they have, they have actually been pretty good this year from what I can tell. Now, obviously the big caveat to that is, you know, the strengths of the opponents that they have. But when you're a team that is trying to rebuild, a team that is trying to get a program, you know, back to where it needs to be, you know, that's the kind of non-conference schedule that you typically schedule. So, so looking at all of that, like, how does, how does this feel for Missouri fans? And then like, what does this, like, what, what's the overall impression of this hot start so far for the Tigers? Yeah, at least for me personally, I can't speak for any other Missouri fan. I have no interest in spending a Sunday watching Missouri play Lindenwood or a Sunday watching Missouri play Mississippi Valley State. If that's what you want to do on your Sunday afternoons, I completely understand. There's just far more interesting things I'd rather watch. One thing I think is pretty interesting about Mizzou that I think you can gather, even if you haven't really watched them, this team can score. And that hasn't really been the case with Conzo Martin. That certainly wasn't the case with Kim Anderson. So this is the situation. I'm sure we'll talk more in depth about it. I feel pretty confident saying that I know they can score with Kansas, that if this game gets played into the 70s, 80s, or the 90s, I feel pretty confident in knowing that Missouri can play that kind of game. Now, can Missouri get the necessary probably three to five stops they're going to need in order to beat a team as qualified as Kansas? That remains to be seen. They just haven't really done that so far this year, but they also haven't really played a team outside of Wichita State that has really required you to get those couple of stops, play in the half court, slow it down, and be able to stop high-level offensive players like Kansas has. So, I mean, this is a big test, obviously, for Missouri. If you're Kansas, you're going into what could be the most hostile environment you have all season. This is a really intriguing matchup on both sides. Yeah, this was the kind of matchup that, you know, a lot of people that were justifying Kansas and Missouri not playing anymore, you know, after after Missouri moved to the SEC. Like, this was the the matchup we were afraid that we would not get right one that's where something seemed to be at stake for both of these teams that that both of the teams were going to come into it with the same level of intensity um, because I, I think that was the the best part of the the rivalry while they were in the Big Twelve was just the fact that it was a a super intense game every single time you know and and it you could tell that the players really cared the fans really cared like everybody cared about it um, this is you know. With, with Missouri being 9-0 and Kansas having a recent loss to a Tennessee team, you know, trying to get back on track, this is, this is sneakily looking like a much better matchup than it, when, when it first appeared on the schedule. Um, you know, thoughts about the excitement? Like, I, I'm sure you guys have been talking about it on, on the radio and I've been kind of hearing some people kind of talk about it. I, I definitely have been hearing more about the Missouri game from the Kansas side than I would have expected when this game was first scheduled. I never really bought what you were talking about. I mean, I've been to Kansas games where they play just regular non-conference games. Like, you remember, it was a while ago where they played that game against Iowa State. It was like a Saturday 11 a.m. game. I was at that one. I just went to the Seton Hall game about a week or so ago. Like, I've been to Kansas non-con games, and it's great. It's fun. But it's different when you play a team that matters. You know, I've been when they've played K-State. I've been to a KU-Baylor game or a KU-Texas. So those games in conference, those games where you have, you know, some rivalry, so to speak, just – seemed to matter a little bit more. This game was always going to matter because both sides equally dislike each other. Now, last year, I mean, Missouri was just absolutely dreadful, but I think Missouri is a bubble team, NIT-type team. We'll see if they can make the NCAA tournament. Again, they haven't really played the opponents that you could say, oh, yeah, that's for sure a tournament team. I'm not really sure how much of their first nine wins are really going to matter once they get in the conference play or not, but 
from a basketball standpoint, this is the first time in probably, I don't know, maybe three years that I feel like Missouri can match up with Kansas in a lot of different ways. And I think Kansas is a really good team. They're a team that can win the national championship. They don't really have a big that I think can really exploit Missouri in a way that would really worry me because Missouri just doesn't have a lot of size. This is not a team that has, you know, that, that seven-foot guy that you can throw it down to. This is a team that wants to get up down the court and run, and that's what I think Kansas wants to do. I don't really know if Kansas has the makeup to really exploit Missouri in a way that I think Kansas goes into Mizzou Arena and dominates. They could very easily win this game. They'll probably be slight favorites to win the game. I don't really think this Kansas team is the kind of team that really can take advantage of what I think Missouri's weaknesses are. Yeah, well, and 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 I think I'm on board as well with that. Like, I, I actually was uh, was um, over on someone else's show, uh, you know, earlier this week, and was talking about the same sort of thing. I think this is going to be a much closer game than a lot of people are probably counting on or, or thinking about. Just looking at Kansas and what they've been recently in Missouri and what they've been, you know, prior prior to the start of the season. So it will be very interesting. I do think this is going to end up being a close game. We will talk specifically about that here in just a few. But um, wanted to jump on your point about Kansas not really having a big that can take advantage of what Missouri does um, or the the problems that they have down low um, looking at who they have in the post because I think what what Kansas has struggled with at times has been you know those teams that have a big guy that can bully them down low um, yes I, I agree that that Kansas does, like doesn't have a guy that can turn around and do the same thing to them but a guy like KJ Adams um, you know down low seems to be playing better when it is that kind of fast-paced um, you know not like big physical matchup um, as Bill Self put it, you know, he is he is uh, not able to match up with the big tall guys. So they have to play a much more technical game when they're playing against that. Um, how, how does that matchup look for you specifically like in the post? Because you have like a, a KJ Adams, um, you know, you have like a Zach Clements who is not really that strong in the post. Ernest Duda is probably the closest Kansas has right now to a, a big man down there, like a traditional big man that, that you would normally see under Bill Self. Um, but he is a freshman that obviously needs a lot of work. So looking at that post, like what, what is the strength for Missouri down in the post? How do they typically like to play? And, and how do you think that matches up? I would say size is probably Missouri's biggest weakness. I think Missouri can be able to match up against KJ Adams. Like I'm looking at his page right now, six, seven, two twenty-five. Missouri's got a couple of guys like that. Kobe Brown is in that same vein. KJ is a more skilled player than I think Kobe Brown is, but I think that they're very similar. I think that Zach Clements is one of the worst KU players that I've seen. I don't know what KU players are saying in their circles, but the couple times that I've seen him, it makes me question what kind of recruiting is going over there at KU. I don't understand it with him at all. Uh, Uday, I actually think he's the kind of player that I think was, could give Missouri a lot of problems. Like when I went to the game to watch him play Seton Hall, because I was kind of doing my early scouting, the thing that I'd be worried about if I'm Missouri is Dewan Harris getting in the lane, and you know he can get in the lane against any team in the country. He throws that high, over-the-top alley-oop, and Uday has 14 points off alley-oops because Missouri just doesn't really have any answer for that. If Uday can have that kind of game where he has 10 to 14 points and he's 6 for 8 from the field and racks up a couple of fouls in that way, I think that's a game that really favors Kansas. That's the thing that really worries me the most is Dewan Harris getting in the lane, being able to create, dumping it to a big guy, and Kansas just gets 12 to 16 easy points off oops and dunks. Yeah, I, 
I think your point about Zach Clements, he reminds me a lot of a guy like, um, I'm trying to think of the best comp, but a guy like Chenoweth, um, where, you know, a guy that, that obviously has some talent, but doesn't necessarily mesh with the system that they're trying to run here in a way that allows him to be productive. Um, he was a guy, I think when they brought him in, it was more of a, hey, we need another big guy behind David McCormick. So let's bring in a few guys and see who can actually help us out. Um, you know, and that's how you ended up with, uh, you know, KJ Adams and Zach Clemens at the same time. Very different styles. And Clemens just doesn't fit, I think, with what Kansas is trying to do. The problem, of course, being he is not, he is not a post, like a, a big physical post presence, um, like you would expect to need to have. He, he much more likes to play out on the perimeter and they already have a guy in KJ Adams that can do that and can do it better. So, um, yeah, I, I have been disappointed by what, uh, his role has been in terms of Clemens. Uh, I, I had high hopes for him as well, but, um, Unfortunately, it's kind of one of those things, you know, you're going to have some of those misses, um, especially when you, when you, for whatever reason, are struggling to recruit players down low that are going to stick around um, or, or that are going to give you that, that consistent presence. As the game moves more towards, you know, guard or positionless type of, of uh, focuses as well, it's, it's kind of natural, I think, to make it harder to find a, a guy that can truly dominate down low. Um, and Kansas just doesn't have one right now at this point in the season. But, um, you know, looking at what, at what Missouri does, you talk about how they like to get up, up tempo run, um, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, th- that is definitely the type of style that Kansas likes to play as well. Um, how, how much of it though is based off of like hot shooting or, or some other thing that you would look at that would be potentially unsustainable? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it absolutely is, but like what, what are the worries with how high flying this offense is? Have they run into an instance where they just don't have it that particular night? No, they haven't really run into that. I mean, they haven't shot the ball incredibly well. I think what's really different about this Missouri team and why they've been able to get off to the start is they're really good at forcing turnovers. Like, take the game against Wichita State. That's probably the one game that you have to use. They had 16 steals. So if you're taking 16 possessions away from the other team and now you get out in transition, you're going up and down the floor, and you only turn it over eight times on your on your own, like you're just going to get more possessions over the course of the game I think that's really helped. I think this is one of the deeper Missouri teams that they've seen now. You know how it is. When you're playing these kind of games, you're going to maybe have your rotations at 9, 10, 11 deep that will see those kind of shrink. And I think even now they're starting to get towards the, you know, six or seven that I think they really like. And those are going to be the ones that really carry you in conference play. But I think that's been the biggest thing for this team is they haven't gotten out-rebounded to the extent that I thought they were going to at the beginning of the season because of their lack of size. And maybe Kansas's athleticism is something that's going to be able to take advantage of that. But they've just done a really good job forcing turnovers and creating steals and giving yourselves an extra seven to eight possessions, which, you know, in a college basketball game is everything because possessions are so important at that level. Yeah, for sure. All right. So so talking about key players for Missouri, who who are the guys that are that really get keyed in, like are either giving the consistent performances or someone that you expect Kansas to focus on intensely on the defensive end to try to limit what they do? I mean, I would say Demoy Hodge is probably the guy that you need to slow down on Mizzou. I think he's their best player. He's their best scorer. Their offense has kind of gone as he's gone so far. Noah Carter is probably their second best player. One guy I'm really curious about is going to be Isaiah Mobley. So he and DeWan Harris played – at Mocan together, they know each other's game pretty well. Both of them uh, from Columbia went to the same high school, know each other really well. 
he's just had a very weird start to his year where it's been some injuries. I think some of it was on the defensive end where I think Gates was kind of making a point early on in the season that, hey, we know you can score, but we got guys that can score. We need guys that are committed to the defensive end. But whenever they give him an extended look, he's a guy that can fill up the stat sheet. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Isaiah Mobley had 20 points in this game. I wouldn't be shocked if he had zero points in this game. Like, that's just kind of how weird he's been so far this season. So I wonder in a game like this where you know the intensity is going to be high and you know him, Columbia kid going up against his friend, he's going to want to play well. I think he's sort of that X factor in this game. Yeah, I mean, asking about Mobley, because I did notice, like, in that Wichita State game, he didn't play. Was was he dealing with some sort of injury or something, or was it just a case where there's nights where he just doesn't get on the floor? Yeah, no, he – it's it's been some, like, personal stuff that they haven't really commented on. I think his ankle was bothering him at the beginning of the season. So, I think it's just taking him a little bit of time to get going. I mean, even in the game against SEMO, the most recent game, he only played six minutes. Like, he just wasn't really on the floor, so – it's just been a really weird start to his season, but I know it's Coastal Carolina, so I'm not selling it like it's some right, great right. opponent. I mean, he played 22 minutes and had 23 points. You know what I mean? Against Mississippi Valley State, he played 20 minutes and got 18 points. Like, if you give him some run, he's going to score. He's going to be able to put up points. Obviously, this is a big jump in degree of difficulty, the kind of team that Kansas is, but I just don't think you know for Mosley what you're going to get on a day-to-day basis. Again, he could score 20 in this game, and I wouldn't be shocked just because I think he's one of the best scorers in the country. He could he could play six minutes and have two points in this game either. Any, anything is possible with him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think Kansas has their share of guys that are like that that are either going to be really good or really bad and probably not in between. Um, so speaking of the Kansas players, you know, and what it is that they – what they actually bring here um, – which which Kansas guard are you the most worried about? You know, obviously you have Jalen Wilson, who is like the main leader, kind of stepping up into the same role that Ochai Abaji did last season. Um, you know, you have Dewan Harris as the point guard. Um, but brand new, you know, freshman Grady Dick, obviously a high profile coming in, and there was high or high uh, hopes for his shooting ability, and that's kind of been there for the most part, but up and down a little bit recently. Um, do any of those three guys like really stick out as the one that Missouri needs to stop? Or is there even somebody else that you think kind of affects the way that, that uh, Missouri is going to approach this game? I mean, we talked about it a little bit with Dewan Harris. I'm worried about him and his ability to get in the lane. I just, I really like Dewan Harris's game. You know, I, I think college players for the most part play very frantic and play very high speed and just are moving way faster than their abilities allow them to play. He's one of the few college players that I see that plays really under control, and you can see the effect that that has on the game. He's very much like Mike Conley to me in that way, that in a game like this, that it's going to be a lot of noise, a lot of chaos. You know his presence is going to be super calming on the game. I'm really worried about him. Outside of the really obvious guys, I'm actually worried about McCullough. I kind of think McCullough is the guy that I'm talking about with Isaiah Mosley, or Mosley, where – I wouldn't be shocked if he had 25 in this game and he just goes crazy. Like, this is one of those games that you look back and say, damn, if we had stopped him, we would have won the game. I also wouldn't be shocked if he's a non-factor. I'm going to be kind of curious to see how Grady Dick plays in this game. Like, it's going to be a really difficult environment. You're a true freshman going on the road. Like, is this the game that you know NBA scouts are going to be looking? Do you put up 18 points in this game and really quiet the crowd and really show that there's no moment too big for you? This is the game, like, Jalen Wilson's played these games before. Dewan Harris has played in these games. McCullers has played this game before. Grady Dick hasn't played in a game like this 
at this level with the amount of intensity that I think there is going to be, how does he play in this for a kid that I think could be a lottery pick next year? Yeah, I mean, you can say that the the Champions Classic was probably a bigger stage, uh, nationally at least, you know, in terms of, of all of the hoopla surrounding that. But I, I don't think it was anywhere near as intense as a, as a road environment as this is going to be. Um, you know, this is this is uh, going to be one of the more difficult tests for the Jayhawks in the non-conference this season. Um, I, I won't say in the entire season just because, you know, just how great uh, the Big 12 is this year. Um, you know, and so it's going to be very difficult, I think, for uh, or to, to really predict how they're going to acclimate to this. Um, I mean, th- this is the first game that's actually a true road game for them. So um, I will be very interested, like you said, to see how Grady Dick is able to handle the pressure of that. Um, you know what he is able to do there. Um, McCuller is, you know, he he actually has been extremely solid. He reminds me a lot of what what Jalen Wilson was last season. Um, where, you know, he was kind of that utility guy doing whatever you need him to do in any particular game, whether that was, you know, you're not going to score this game, but you're going to go out and you're going to get 15 rebounds and you're going to, you know, have seven assists and and really just lock down on defense. Or do you need to, as he did in the game uh, against Seton Hall, uh, yeah, the game against Seton Hall, you know, and, and Texas Southern as well, just come back and have fantastic games where there's a lot of scoring and you are one of the better players on, on the court. Um, Kansas has a bunch of guys that I think even still at this point are fairly streaky. Um, you know, Jalen Wilson is a very streaky three point shooter. Um, but he has the green light to shoot him whenever he wants. Um, same with Grady Dick for the most part. Uh, you know, so like it's one of those things where Kansas has a lot of guys that are either going to be really good or really bad. Um, the hope is you just hope that you don't have more than two or three of them having off nights or one of them having a really awful night. Um, at a time because that puts you into, into a lot of situations. Kind of, kind of like with Tennessee, um, you know, that, that was an instance where everybody had an off night. It sounded like Kevin McCuller, you know, pulled a groin muscle or something during the actual game, early in the game and tried to tough through it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's weird what this Jayhawk team will do. To your point about Dewan Harris, I think the, you know, as, as difficult as it's been for, for Bill Self to recruit a big man, um, that can, you know, be a dominant force down low. He absolutely the opposite direction with point guards. He has had back to back to back, and I don't know how many backs I have to throw on there, uh, point guards that have those similar sorts of traits. There is like a prototypical Bill Self point guard now at this point where they have that poise. You know, they're very, they're very deliberate. Uh, with how they're distributing the ball, what they're doing there, don't necessarily look to score, but typically can if, you know, the moment is there and they decide to step up for it. I think what Dewan Harris and why he has been maligned by, I think, KU fans coming into this season and, and through most of last season was just he was a guy that did not look to score. Um, you know, kind of like what Marcus Garrett did before that. And, um, you know, Devontae Graham and Frank Mason both looked to score quite a bit um, and were huge offensive compliments on that team but Marcus Garrett was not like he he could score he could do it when he wanted to uh, but for the most part he was focused on I'm going to be that guy that locks down the opponent the opposing team's best player and make sure that they can't do anything and then I'm just going to make sure everyone else on the team can go and get theirs and Dewan Harris I think very much subscribes to that sort of philosophy of how to play point guard um, and it seems like that's what Bill Self is really looking for in the recruiting trail um, but you know, he is a, a just another one in the long line of sneaky good point guards that Kansas has had under Bill Self that don't really get appreciated, I think, until they're basically ready to leave. Yeah, that that part to me is just really weird that 
you know, I when I went to watch him, I was really thinking this. I was like, he's Aaron Miles, you know? Like, I, I think maybe just with the way basketball is now, there's such an emphasis on being able to shoot and space the floor and all of those things. And I'm not saying that that isn't important, but if you understand basketball, I don't know how you can watch his game and just not have a great appreciation for he makes everybody on the floor better, and you need a player like that to help be an elevator. I, mean, I think he helped Ochai be a lottery pick last year. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think he helped Christian Brown be a lottery pick last year. I, I just think his calmness, I think his ability to understand spacing, I think his ability to set you up and hit you in a position like some point guards pass the ball to give you the ball. I think Dewan Harris is giving you the ball in a space where you have an opportunity to make a move and score and finish around the rim. And of all the players on Kansas, I have by far and away the greatest appreciation for what he can do. I would probably say Grady Dick, my appreciation. Like, J- Jalen Wilson, I, I just I- – I've never saw it to me. I'm not saying he's not a good college basketball player. I've just never seen that it that I've seen with certain with Kansas players that like, oh, I'm really worried about him. I don't really see I, – I, you mentioned the Champions Classic. Seeing Grady Dick take over that stretch at the end of the game where he had those eight points and he made all those kind of plays, like, that's a it to me. That's a, that's a thing that translates to the next level. And maybe I just watch so much NBA that it's hard for me to view college players in that lens and not just only in the college lens anymore. But, yeah, I, I look at Dewan Harris as he's just a, he's just a player maximizer. He, he's just a guy – He's just a guy who's going to figure out a way to put you in the best position to have success. And there's just very few college basketball players that are like that. Yeah, I I will say that Jalen Wilson at the beginning of this year um, definitely suffered a lot from having to do a bunch. And yes, Grady Dick was there as kind of the second, you know, the second guy helping him out. Um, But Wilson, I think, has had to take a lot more on his shoulder and almost to the point where he's tried to do too much himself as opposed to. Um, you know, getting other people involved and getting, you know, that, that Champions Classic game, I think, is a perfect example of everything was going fairly well. Everybody was kind of contributing, but Jalen Wilson was carrying the load of it. And then you got to the end of the game and he was trying to play hero ball and kind of push them across. And it was only when he finally, you know, decided to, to let, let's go ahead and get Grady Dick involved. Then, then Dick had that huge explosion of, of points and was able to, you know, help get them to where they needed to be. Um, this is definitely a learning process for this team. This is a team that does not have for, for everybody that they brought back. They don't have a lot of guys that are staying in the same role that they were last year. I think Dewan Harris is probably the only guy who is coming back with a similar role to what he had on last year's team. Um, you know, Jalen Wilson is stepping up from being that garbage man utility player to the main guy, the main scoring threat, the one that you expect to, you know, be that go to at the end of the game. Um, you know, but like uh, KJ Adams is taking on a more prominent role down low. You know, uh, Joseph Yesifu is being counted on to do a lot more, um, I think, this this year, uh, as well as Bobby Pettiford. Um, at, at least when he gets back from his injury. Unfortunately, Bobby Pettiford is one of those players that, that seems to be, he's like the, the Texas Tech quarterback of, of the Kansas team where he just seems to get injured every single year and there's really not much you can do about it. Um, but looking specifically then at this game, this matchup, um, what do you think is going to be the driving factor in determining how this game ends up? Can Kansas protect the basketball? I think that's going to be the determining factor I would guess Saturday when we wake up, Kansas is probably a minus two, minus three point favorite in the game. I think this game is going to be 91 86. 
and we'll figure out over the course of the afternoon who gets the 91 and who gets the 86. I think these two teams, at least in this environment, are going to play a very close, very high-scoring basketball game. If Kansas can't protect the basketball, I think they win this game. If they allow Missouri to continue to be one of the best five teams in college basketball and forcing turnovers, you just don't go into the road in the environment that I think Missouri Arena is going to be. I mean, this, this is a game that – this is the biggest Missouri home game since Michael Porter's first game at Mizzou. Since the game against Iowa State, what, four years ago now, this is the biggest home game that they've had. They haven't had Kansas there. Like, I, I was actually at the last MUKU game at Mizzou Arena. I never for a million years would have thought that Kansas would go back into that building. I did think eventually they would play, but I thought they would do – Sprint Center, and they just would agree to, you know, hey, let's just give this a try for three years, see how it does at Sprint Center. We'll, we'll yeah. split the money down the middle. The fact that they agreed to go to Allen Fieldhouse, to Mizzou Arena, and then the third game, it, it, it's not even like Kansas got a two-for-one. They agreed on a neutral site for the third game. Just completely blows my mind in this thing. So I, I, I think it's going to be one of those special college basketball environments. If Kansas protects the basketball, it's a game that they probably win. If Missouri can continue to get – 16, 17 steals a day. You just don't go on the road and, and beat a decent Missouri team if you turn the ball over that much. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to get to go and experience that. Uh, I will be in the, in the building covering the game. And so it will be very interesting, I think, to kind of see that, um, and, and how that, uh, environment is going to be with, with Kansas coming back. Um, just, just one, one quick point. Uh, you know, the first game was obviously in Allen Fieldhouse. They're then doing home and home. So they were in Lawrence last year. They're in Columbia this year. Then they go back to Lawrence and then back to Columbia and then have another one in the Sprint Center to wrap up the six game series. So, um, yeah, I was surprised when they did one that they did six games, you know, that they went that long. Um, but then also two that they had the majority of those games were being on campus sites. So, um, that, that will be interesting. I think this will kind of set the tone for for the way the rivalry works in the future, um, whether they decide to go just, you know, completely neutral or not. Um, there was a lot of a lot of grumbling about just how, you know, how fans get treated from both sides. Like, or I'm sorry, how, how players get treated from both sets of fan base when they go to their respective place. And so I think this will be kind of finally getting that full picture of, of the, the administration can kind of see how does this work when our team is on the road? You know, is it something that we're willing to do moving forward? So, um, I will be very interested to kind of see how this game sets up, how, how good of a game this is, um, and how close it is. I do agree with you. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. Um, I do think that, though that Kansas defense is, is a, a, a little bit better. Than, uh, than a lot of people actually think. Like, I was personally a little bit surprised to go in and see that they still have, uh, the 15th ranked defense. Um, you know, it, this is on paper. This is a game that Kansas should win pretty handily. But of course, we know rivalry matchups are completely different. Um, that there's a lot of times where it just doesn't necessarily, uh, conform to what you would expect. And, and kind of to your point, Missouri is number four in the nation, according to Ken Palm, um, with 27.8 turnover percentage. Um, that is a gigantic number. The problem is they let their opponents rebound about 35% of their misses. So um, I will be like, I think that's the other key. Obviously, if Kansas can hold on the ball, but also is Missouri able to keep Kansas off of the offensive glass? Because they have guys that can go and crash and actually get the boards and it doesn't come from the traditional spots that you would normally see. Um, so it will be interesting, I think, to see how Missouri does that because they are a very similar team. They don't have a guy, you know, a post player down low who will try to get the offensive board or or 
um, or at least not in the way you would typically think of a normal post player doing it. And so um, because they play, I think, fairly similar in terms of scheme and lineups and, um, you know, just kind of the general philosophy of go fast and, and play a lot on the outside, um, I will I'm wondering if Missouri will be better equipped to keep Kansas off of that offensive glass because it's the kind of style that they play and the way that they're used to trying to rebound the ball as well. I'm just happy that these two teams are playing each other. I know you and I have had this conversation in the past. Maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe I just don't love sports in that way, the way that I used to. Man, I want sports to be interesting. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and for sure. you know, I'm sure you'll ask me about the bowl game. You know what I mean? Like Missouri playing Wake Forest in a bowl game just has absolutely no intrigue to me. You know what I mean? Like I don't right. care about Wake Forest. I don't care about the Gasparilla Bowl. I don't care about them playing in Tampa. I know they got their reasons, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But, man... There's just way so there, there's there's so much sports on. There's so much entertainment that are pulling our interest to watch a sporting event that I don't care about, that I don't think is interesting, just doesn't really do it for me. That's why, at least for me with Mizzou, I mean, I, I, I have kept up with all the Mizzou games. I have kept an eye on them, but I, I just I'm not watching Missouri play. Lindenwood Sunday in the fall at two o'clock. No, thank you. I will, I will very happily read the box score. And when they get into conference play, I will watch every single game. Cause I think this team has a chance to make the NCAA tournament. I think they can be a, a eight, nine seed. I think they can be a bubble team. So I'm very much locked into their season. And to me, this is what well, I'd say Wichita state was the start of their season. And now after this, it's go time for Missouri. They got Kansas. They got, they got UCF after that. They have Illinois and Kentucky. We want to know everything we need to know about Missouri between now and the beginning of the year. They start playing real teams that I think can make the tournament and teams where we can really measure where they're at. What was so disappointing last year about Mizzou was they were just so far away from competitive. Obviously, Missouri can't compete with Kansas. You don't got to get beat by 40, though. Last year's Kansas team could have beat Missouri by 60 points if they really had wanted to. Like They really could have absolutely embarrassed Missouri last year. Uh, Missouri last year wasn't close to Illinois. Missouri last year wasn't close to Arkansas. So those games that you use as litmus tests to really measure yourself, they just weren't close. Maybe Missouri loses in this. History will tell you that they will probably lose in this game. But they can at least be competitive in this game. And it's a game that we can get excited about. It's a game that we can feel some passion about. And in college athletics, I'm all for it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, this is one where um – I, I, we'll we'll talk about the bowl game here in just a second, but but kind of to your point, like that was always the hardest part of covering Kansas football, right? You know, in years prior, was you would get to the last half and like there's no there's no hope at all for them to be going to a bowl game. The games they were getting blown out because play, players were just getting so tired by the end of the game. Like this year, you know, I got an opportunity to cover more games. You could tell the difference between like a Texas game where Kansas was just dominated from pretty much you know the end of the first quarter onward or start to finish really um, and then I, I traveled out to Manhattan to cover the game there as well and even though Kansas lost by 20 points it was still an interesting game it was still one that was was fun to watch um, obviously you would have wished the result was different if you're a Kansas fan but like it was it was an interesting game to watch there was intriguing storylines to take a look at it was something that piqued my interest and to your point like that's what I was afraid that this game was going to become was something that was going to be a foregone conclusion of what the result was going to be you know and and um and there just wasn't like the rival or the normal like conference standing stakes that there would be to prop up the the rivalry in those years where it doesn't look particularly look competitive. But um, we obviously don't have to worry about that for this year because these are two teams that are playing 
really well right now. Um, the question, like you said, is how how much longer is Missouri going to be playing at this level? Um, you know, this this could be a much bigger resume bump for the Jayhawks than I think most people thought, or not as much of a hit as most people thought it was going to be if they were to happen to lose this game. So I'll be very interested. I agree. I think this is going to be a really close game. Um, just we will wrap up talking about the bowl games. You, you kind of hit on it a little bit, um, but there was a lot of people pushing for Kansas to play Missouri in the Liberty Bowl. From what I understand, the Liberty Bowl officials were really interested in it, um, were really trying to get it set up at first. Um, but it seemed like whether that came from Mizzou saying they weren't interested in playing it or the SEC deciding that they wanted to do their matchups a little bit differently or what, um, ultimately the decision was made that Missouri would not be made available for the Liberty Bowl um, against the Jayhawks. And so Kansas is now playing Arkansas, which is an interesting, a somewhat interesting game in its own right. But like you said, Missouri and Wake Forest um, does not – does not pique a lot of national interest the way that a Kansas-Missouri game would. Um, we will get that game on the on the schedule pretty soon, but um, just just any final thoughts about either this basketball game or you know the the way that the whole bowl situation kind of worked out before we get out of here. Yeah, I guess to, to sum it up, this is how I would categorize it. I think that Kansas went to the Liberty Bowl and wanted to play Missouri. I think they asked to play Missouri in the Liberty Bowl. I think they know for their fan base, and and there's going to be a group of Kansas fans that are excited because it's the first time that you've been to a bowl game since 2008. So there's just going to be a portion of the fan base. But it's a business, and the best way to sell tickets if you're Kansas in this situation would have been playing Missouri. So I think that Kansas was very open to it. I think they preferred to play Missouri in a bowl game. I don't think Missouri had any of that same energy. Now, at least for me, I would say my frustration is I think Missouri has complained for the last decade or so, well, why won't you play us? Why are you breaking up this rivalry? Blah, blah, blah. Like all these things that Missouri said. And then when you get the chance to can or when you get the chance to finally play Kansas in a situation, a neutral side of game that would have energized both fan bases would have been excited. I think Missouri came up with a criteria that would have been impossible for Kansas to meet. Well, We'll play you guys, but we want to play in a bowl game before Christmas. Well, there's no bowl game that will allow you to do that. Well, we want to play in a more favorable destination. Well, Memphis is the destination. So we can disagree or agree or whatever people want to say about is that ducking Kansas. I just don't think Missouri had any energy for playing Kansas in this bowl game. I don't think it was there. And to me, it's a little bit hypocritical because of over the last decade or so, Missouri has blamed Kansas, and I think rightly so or them doing things to put a roadblock in between more interesting games and a rivalry game that is in the best interest of everybody. So as a Missouri fan and as somebody that you know talks about sports in this area for a living, I got to call it when it's on the other side. I don't like the way Missouri has handled this. And just as a Missouri fan, I just don't have any interest in watching them play Wake Forest. I'm sure I'll watch it, but if they win, cool. If they lose, what does it matter? Bowl games Bowl games don't have the same importance that they used to have. You know, we used to look at it as a big banner for whose conference is better. Man, half these kids transfer, half of these kids declare for the NFL draft and sit out for the bowl games. Bowl games are good for you if you gamble. <laughs> that's what bowl games are good for. Bowl games are good for you if you gamble on college football, which that's what you do. Hey, more power to you. But if you don't gamble on college football, why in the hell do you care about the Gasparilla Bowl? Well, right. I, I would actually say that it makes it harder for people to gamble because you don't know who's going to be in and out. You, you know, have all kinds of situations where you don't know what the level, of, you know, the relative level of motivation is for each of the individual teams. Like there's a 
there's a, a good reason behind, you know, the meme that is, well, SEC teams don't care about the bowl unless it's the college football playoff and that's why they lose. So, um, like that, that started from somewhere that started from some people saying that the bowls aren't as important as they were because they don't lead to a national championship. And that's what the focus is now. Um, but you know, that is kind of a universal thing. It's not just the SEC. It's just people like to rag on the SEC as much as they can for it. Um, but I think to your point, it was it was pretty clear that there was some reason that it would that that most likely Missouri didn't want to play or most or or the SEC. The problem is we're never going to know who it was, and so I, I'm not really big into the let's throw a bunch of shade at Missouri specifically because it may it may be that there was some other circumstances going on, you know, or something else that that to, you know them in the conference. The most likely explanation is that Missouri decided, hey, we just we just don't want to play this game right now, um, which. Yes, to your point, like, I think that the decision there might have been potentially different if we did not already have the series um, on the schedule, you know, starting in 2025. Um, then that might have been like, uh, hey, who knows the next time we're going to have an opportunity to play Kansas, Kansas in football. So let's go ahead and go do it um, and cap off our season that way. I, I do think that part of the part of the 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 way the season went for Missouri uh, made it a little bit more difficult to potentially get up for a game like this against Kansas. Kansas is just happy to be in a bowl game. Missouri's been to a bowl game um, often enough that, you know, this is kind of more more business as usual. Um, and so it will be interesting, I think, to see um, how this translates, whether this translates into anything um, in that rivalry, if there's any kind of mention of it when we get to 2025 uh, and actually have that game. But it will be, again, very interesting to see how all of that shakes out. I'm just hoping... Um, you know, that, that Kansas can be super competitive against Arkansas so that we can, you know, stop talking about the fact that Kansas could have played Missouri in this game um, and instead kind of enjoying what we actually have. I personally like to watch all the bowl games just because it's nice to have football on while I'm trying to figure out what work I actually have to do during the holiday season, <laughs> as most people typically are, because, you know, the majority of the world kind of shuts down those last two weeks and doesn't do anything but the bare minimum. So um, it will be very interesting, I think, to have those games on in the background. But there's a lot of good college basketball happening in the next few weeks. Um, and of course, it all gets kicked off on this Saturday uh, with Kansas against Missouri. So, Carrington, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, uh, glad that we could touch base here. And of course, obviously, we will we will probably talk again next year when uh, Missouri and Kansas play again. Um, but, uh, we'll make sure to, to kind of touch base before that to just kind of, kind of, kind of keep things going. It's, it's always great to have you on. I, I, I really appreciate you jumping on and doing this, but, uh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out my ticket situation for Saturday, man. So if you're there and I'm there, let's meet up. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'll, I'll actually be there, uh, covering it as, as a part of the media, but I'm going to be meeting a few people, I think, beforehand. So we will definitely, uh, get stuff figured out and, and kind of go from there. But uh, uh, before we get out of here, just, just go ahead and plug all the stuff that you do, whether it's online or on the radio, so that way everyone can follow you if they're not already. Yeah, I just would encourage anybody to listen to 610 Sports Radio from 2 to 6. That's uh, that's all I really want to plug, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on. I tell people all the time, I don't hate Kansas nearly as much as people say. I mean, I'm not a fan of Kansas by any means, but I don't hate Kansas, man. I don't hate Kansas at all. I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of Kansas fans, but I'm not supposed to be a huge fan of Kansas fans because I cheer for Missouri. Exactly. No, you are. You are the best proof there is that every fan base has at least one reasonable fan. So, <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Thanks a lot for having me, man. All right.
And that is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much to Carrington for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. Just to, uh, you know, if you guys have not already, please to go out wherever you get your podcast, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments. Be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is that we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network, which is over on the Sports Drink Network, your article for all things sports and not sports. Um, absolutely love all the work we're doing with all of our partners on the podcast network. You can go find all of the shows covering all the teams in the Big 12 if you go to 1012. 1012network.com. Uh, make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel and Prize Picks. Um, just, uh, I really appreciate their support. But if you use promo code CHOCK12, you can get fantastic deals over there. But uh, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks, you, thank, thanks again to Carrington for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.